Hey everyone, good morning. It is a blessing to be with you. We've had a really fun weekend already. Thank you to everybody who showed up for our first monthly hike yesterday morning. We're gonna start doing that once a month. Thank you to Callie and Jim for putting that together. And it was Chance's idea, so I gotta give Chance credit. Chance uh, might be the quarantine MVP. There will be quarantine awards uh, coming for the Glendale Church and everybody's vying for the MVP. I don't, there will not be a category for best sermon because it's gonna be all the guest preachers who've been on there. Uh, so I'm not, just sorry, sorry to let you down there, but seriously, thanks you, thank you to Chance for that idea and thank you to Jim and Callie for organizing that. It was also so fun to do the first movie night last night outside. Uh, we had a great time, and I encourage you to be at the next one. Our daughter, Nora, who's almost three, we watched the Muppet Christmas Carol, and during the movie, uh, she said, this is the best movie I've ever seen. So that was a real, real great in- endorsement. And Nora can be a harsh critic, if you know her personality uh, at times. We have the well service coming up tonight, which I'm super excited about at 6 p.m. Bundle up. It'll be a little cool for California, but we just did it last night, some of us, and it wasn't terrible. You can survive it. And last month was our first time uh, that we did that, and it was just so great. And I'll I'll cry thinking about singing together because it was just so powerful. Not because the singing was so beautiful, though it was, but just the idea of us being together and and lifting our voices to God. So you definitely want to be there. You don't want to miss it at 6 p.m., Austin Chapman, our new staff member, will be preaching for us, and I'm really excited about the word that God has put on his heart. I also want to mention that we have a baby shower coming up for the Flores family, if you could mark your calendar, for December 5th. I'm going to honor Alfredo and Vanessa and little Valentina and their uh, new baby to come. And there's information in my emails about that, but it's going to be 10 to noon uh, on Saturday, December 5th. And please join us, join us for that day as a quick drive through shower to come by and bless that family. We really miss being together to celebrate together those type of things, but we've had the opportunity to do that several several times this year in the drive-through style, and it's worked out um, all right. Several years ago, I was on a flight. I don't remember which type of, of plane, but it was about a three-hour uh, trip, and I was somebody that got on towards the end, and when you get on towards the end, you get about the least desirable seat on the plane, and I get on there, and I'm a pretty big guy myself, but I had to sit in the middle. There was a guy who was next to me who was bigger than me and then someone about my size, so it's just one of those. Uh, for me, if you ever had that experience, you're like, this is just going to be a long flight. You know, you're just kind of up in each other's mix. Uh, there's not a whole lot you can do. And I'm somebody who doesn't necessarily like go out of my way to be super nice on a flight. I'll talk to you if you talk to me, but I'm just like one of those, like, you know, read my book or just relax for a little bit, try to take a nap. But about an hour through the flight, the guy like says, hey, what's your name? And I'm excited because I'm like, cool, this guy wants to get to know me. And I said, oh, my name's Brian. And his face immediately changed. He said, well, Brian, you're kind of in my space. And this guy, as I said, he, he was definitely part of the problem, as I was too, but we we're like, okay, I'll try to figure this out. And I shifted my weight as well as I could to the other side of my seat. And about an hour later, he tapped me on the shoulder again. He's like, Brian, you're in my space again. I'm sorry. And I just, it was about the worst two hours of my life, just trying to keep as much out of this guy's space as possible. Middle seats on planes are the worst. That's why they're saved towards the end. You might be an aisle person or you might be a window person, but you're certainly not a middle person. (laughs) Middle moments in life can be hard. When perhaps you've had a beginning and you're waiting for the end. And we all collectively, as an entire world, are in a middle moment right now. Where coronavirus has completely changed our lives. 
And at the beginning, we were told, if you just lock it down for four to six weeks, then it's going to be all right. And that didn't really happen. You can argue perhaps we should have done better with some of those things that we were supposed to do. You can argue that for sure. But we never really had a break on this, especially if you live in L.A. County. It just kept going. And there's hope on the horizon this week. Praise God that there's a possibility of a vaccine that is very effective. But even optimistically, I think that would help us return to somewhat of normal life by summer 2021, probably. Some experts say this will continue on in 2022. Frankly, that's just hard. It's hard on me as a pastor just thinking about the fact that we just have a really long time as a church. As Jim said, I'm very thankful for you keeping up in your contributions, and I'm thankful and and hopeful that you can continue to partner in that way because it matters and it, it makes a difference. But some of you have experienced this in way more difficult times and in ways than I have. But we're all stuck in this middle moment. And what do you do when you're in that place? And for some of us, we've been in these places before. Perhaps you're in a marriage that isn't really all that happy, but you don't really want to get a divorce. Perhaps you're just never going to have some financial dreams come true that you had hoped would come true. Professionally, it just hasn't worked out for you. Or you've got a chronic illness that just makes life hard. What do you do? when you're stuck in the middle. And when we're in these moments, I think we're tempted to believe three things. I'll never be happy again. Nothing good can come from this. And I don't really know if this is worth continuing. The reason why I wanted to talk about this for a few weeks is because what happens to us when we are in these middle moments is we can make some really terrible decisions. Because we can start to think, oh, I'm never going to be happy again. Nothing good can come from this. We can make some really awful choices. Think about maybe a bad breakup that you had and some terrible decisions that you made. It always shocks people. I didn't date a whole lot, so I didn't have a bad breakup in in my experience. Um, But uh, I know that's really surprising to you, but that was just, I guess, self-protection for me. But I'll always remember there was one time I was at a bar when I was in grad school, a karaoke bar, and this lady was singing that, stuck my key into the side. It was just way too personal for her. You could tell. It was like she was just about to go do it, and it was just like, whoa, this is a little tough. Like You maybe need to take a relaxing moment. And that's the thing. When we are in these moments, we can think, like, all right, I'm just going to try and fix it with whatever it is that we can often turn to to try and fix it. And we try to numb the pain a little bit. We can start to believe that nothing good can come from this. And on a deeper level, if you're a person of faith and someone who walks with God, I think that we can start to ask the question, does God know about this? Does God even care? Where is God in this moment? Is God really present at all? And the good news is in Scripture, we have company because the characters that we see in Scripture, first of all, were very imperfect. They had all this stuff that was constantly going on, but they often asked these questions of God. God, where are you in this moment? What am I supposed to do? I feel like I'm worn out. I'm tired. I don't have any more energy to get this done. What am I supposed to do when it just seems like things are just piling up 
And I don't have all the answers. And if I'm honest, it somewhat proves to me how true and accurate scripture is because if you're just making up these stories, you have just perfect characters who never do anything wrong and never ask questions like, here are the seven things you have to do to have a perfect and happy life. And sometimes churches, I feel like, can act like that. There's all these churches, the movement is basically like, let me give you four weeks on your finances, then four weeks on your marriage, and then it's all going to be better. Like, let me just fix this and fix this and fix this, and then you're going to get to this point where it's all going to be better. But let's be honest, there's just time in life where that doesn't work. And what are you supposed to do? And what does it mean? And where is God? In John chapter 9, I think we get a, a glimpse of, of an answer to that question. It's a story that I really love. A story about Jesus healing someone who's blind. So starting in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 12, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. This guy has been blind from the very beginning. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. And everyone within six feet got coronavirus. Now, go, <laughs> he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he just looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. The first time we've ever seen that before. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So then I washed and I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. This is a very funny story. A whole lot's going on. The disciples see this guy and very specific as he has been blind since birth. And Jesus comes upon him and he spits and goes all Larry the cable guy on this. And it's a very weird moment. Like as far as Jesus' healings, this has to be one of the oddest ones that, that he performs for just once, I'd like to see a televangelist pull this off. Like, dude, that, that's your message, method of healing. I also love the end where they're like, well, where did Jesus go? And the guy basically proving that he was the blind guy says, I don't know. I was blind before. Like, wh like what do you expect? I, I, I didn't track where he went because I was previously blind. Now I can see, which is awesome. But like, I wasn't really so good at tracking where the guy went before this. So there's a whole lot of, of odd and funny things happening in this story. But it deals with, I think, one of the core questions of human existence. The disciples see this guy and they see this, this problem that he has, that he's been born blind, and we would all universally want to ask questions of God and say, yeah, why did that happen? And what their explanation is, and especially in that ancient mindset, was basically like somebody must have done something wrong. So who is it that sinned? Was it this man or was it his parents? And the deeper question they're asking is, where does evil come from? Is it because this guy caused a problem? Because he, how could he? He was born this way. So it must have been from his parents, right? Where is it that evil comes from? 
And we think that that's just a backwards way of thinking about it and not necessarily how we in like a, a more informed way would think. But a few years ago, there was an English soccer coach who was released from his job because he said that people with disabilities were living out punishments from previous life. And that's still a belief that people have in this world today. There are world religions that will say that, that, you know, because of what happened in this thing, you did this thing, you know, in, in the previous existence that you had, and now you're, you're bearing the weight of that. So people still think this way, and that's not too surprising. People want to answer that question. Where is it that this came from? And Jesus, as he is interacting with this question, I think is just absolutely brilliant because he knows that there's not a satisfactory answer to this is what evil comes from and this is how it's going to be. Because for some of you, you've had some things that have happened to you that are really bad at first, but you got through it and you're actually thankful that you got through it. And some of those things you can say, yeah, I'm thankful that that happened. But some stuff, it's just plain evil and hard, right? And it saps the life out of you. And there's going to be some stuff Jesus knows that there's not going to be, hey, A happened, so B happened, so now I can celebrate with C. Like, that just doesn't happen for us at times. So Jesus doesn't answer their questions. What he says instead is, I don't want to deal with like who caused this or what brought this evil into the world. What I am going to tell you is that God can be glorified even in this. That you can find the presence of God even in here. Let's be honest, that's hard for us to believe. It's easier on a Sunday morning when I'm just talking about it. You can say, amen, Brian. But when it happens, when you're going through a year like 2020, when you have more questions than answers, when you're in a situation where it's just like in this in the middle moment, you can think, where are you? God, what's going on? And part of that is if you're watching this from the United States, which I imagine that most of you are, the fact is most of our lives are a flip of how most people live. Our lives are comfortable for the most part. And if we were to have a conversation, you could tell me some of the hard stuff you've been through, and I could tell you some of the hard stuff that I've been through, and we could share some of that. And sure, you've been through some hard stuff, I've been through some hard stuff. But for us, generally, our lives are the reverse of how I would say most of human existence has worked. For us, it's like comfort, 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 adversity, adversity, comfort, 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 comfort. And like when that adversity comes up, we're like, oh my goodness, I'll throw my hands in the air. I've never seen this before. Where most of the world would go adversity, 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 comfort, comfort, adversity, adversity, adversity. And when, when they get comfort, they're like, oh my goodness, I've never experienced this. We're the reverse of how most of the world has worked. If we really think about our lives. And again, your life isn't perfect. There's hard stuff that you have to go through and that I have to go through. But for most of us, when our lives get flipped upside down, it's because we're experiencing adversity and perhaps a stronger form than we ever have before. I got the chance last weekend to go over um, Jasmine and Gabby Guevara from our church. Uh, their parents are, are a good friend of ours. And uh, their parents, Gabriel and Nellie, make fantastic pupusas. So we went and had pupusas in their backyard, socially distanced, with masks, everyone. Uh, so we had some pupusas in their backyard and just enjoyed uh, spending some time with them. And uh, they uh, had were born in El Salvador, and Gabriel was telling us just a little bit about what that was like. And he said one of the reasons why he drinks coffee so much is there, they just start drinking coffee when they're babies. Basically, 
uh, partly because of lack of access to milk. You'll just see like a baby rolling around with coffee in its bottle. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy to me. I can't even fathom that, but like a young child, he said, that is what they have to do because the babies need to drink something and they don't have access to milk. And for me, like my family's milk problem is we just run through it too fast. Like my kids, they just drink it all the time and we're like, oh, we need to go to the store and get more milk. Like that's my milk problem. Not, I don't have it or don't have access to it. And there's moments in all of our lives when we start to realize, wow, it's crazy how blessed I am. Things that I just take for granted that I don't even realize were right there. Things that I just assume are my rights. So my life often is comfort, 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 and then adversity. And I don't know what to do in that moment. Jesus gives us, I think, a word here when we're facing adversity. That I'm not going to tell you exactly how that happens because there's stuff that goes on. Evil exists in the world because of sin and and brokenness. Scripture as a whole would tell us, but Jesus isn't going to say, I don't want to tell you like he was blind, so then I could heal him in this moment. We'll tell his story forever. Jesus says, I don't want to do that because there's going to be certain types of pain. There's just not really like an explanation for. If a child dies of cancer and everyone prays, that child just doesn't get better. There's certain pain that you can't just say, all right, here we go, like this equation plus this, and then it all makes sense in the end. Jesus says, I'm not going to enter into that conversation because that's not the conversation you really want to have. But I'll tell you this, that God can be glorified even here. And that's tough because, again, my life has been pretty comfortable and perhaps way more comfortable than yours. But there's stuff that we would look at and say, no, that's, that's definitely evil. That's, that's wrong. That some amazing people have learned some incredible things through. They've been able to find the presence of God even in those stories. Oftentimes when it comes to difficulty, all I can think about is that like one thing that's right in front of me and Sometimes I need to look beyond just that. Mike Cope, who is one of my favorite ministers in the world, and if you ever have a chance to listen to one of his sermons, you definitely should. He had a daughter with an intellectual disability, and he wrote a book called Megan's Secrets. And he wrote about her life. Megan spent her short decade of life by joyfully experiencing whatever the day may bring. Yes, even during days of poor health, by loving whoever might be around her. And I would recommend during this time as we collectively suffer and struggle a little bit, read a book like Megan's Secrets or others, people who have suffered and struggled before who could help us to to see how we can find God even in these really difficult things. Mike's daughter, tragically, after a life that was hard on its own, died in a car crash. And it's a terrible story. And he would say it's hard still. He wouldn't say that it was easy or that it's, there's something that makes it all worthwhile. But in that book, he said that from his daughter, her 10 years on earth, he learned way more about God than he learned in his 10 years of graduate work in religion trying to become a preacher. 
There are things that we wouldn't wish to go through ourselves again, that we wouldn't wish on anybody. We wish that we had the answers. We wish that we could solve the evil problem in the world. But God can, can work through situations and things that we wouldn't expect to show us things that we never could have learned any other way. What if you could just say, God, as I think about the difficulty of this year and it's hard and I'm dealing with social isolation, I'm dealing with so many things I've never even dealt with before, but I trust that you can work even here. I trust that you can work as I'm stuck in the middle. I'm going to continue to try and seek you. What if you could think about the pain of this year and all the things that you're going through and if you just lift the weight off your shoulders of trying to figure it out and just trust that God can work even in this place and even in this difficulty. Because when Jesus is asked to answer that question, he says, no, that's not the question you really want to deal with. What you want to know is that can God work through this still? The answer Jesus gives is yes. Tim Keller is uh, one of the best preachers I know of, he was a preacher for a long time in the New York area. He was actually Philip's preacher before uh, coming here to LA, so it's a little bit of pressure to try and like preach as good a sermon as Tim Keller every once in a while. I'm probably never, never going to do that, but he's a fantastic author and someone who I would always recommend listening to his sermons or reading his books if you have a chance. But Tim Keller served in ministry uh, for many years in New York. And he said over his time of ministry, he had hundreds of people come to him and ask this question in some form or another. Like, why is there evil in the world? Like, why did this happen to me? What is it that's going on with me in this moment? And Keller said he noticed something about these people because it happened again and again. He said the people who came in his office again and again asking that question, there's something in common with them. They typically tended to be wealthy, elite people who had achieved some measure of success. He said, there's something sinister about all of us that thinks when we've built up some success in some area of life, we should have a barrier around ourselves and pain. In all of his years of ministry, he said he never had a poor person come to him and say, hey, you know, life's not supposed to be this way. Because for a lot of people in the world, it's adversity, adversity, adversity. May we understand as we go through a difficult time that we can't be so quick to judge things and say, oh, this thing is terrible. Nothing good is going to come from this. I'm just going to wish that this year would be over because, in fact, like 2020 will end. And surprise, coronavirus is still going to be here in 2021. We've been through a hard stretch already, but there's still some time to go. But may we not just judge it too quickly and say, oh, there's just nothing good that can come from this because the fact is there is some things that have come from it that are good. And just think about that in your own life. And may you, like God calls us to, make the most of this, even as it's difficult. N.T. Wright says this about this John chapter 9 passage. He says, At the start of the book of Genesis, God was faced with chaos. He didn't waste time describing the chaos, analyzing it, or discussing whose fault it was. Instead, he created light. 
and following the light, a whole new world. John, in this story, wants us to understand Jesus is doing the works of the one who sent him. May we choose with our lives to bring light into the world. May we choose to bring hope into the world and to learn sometimes that adversity teaches us unbelievable lessons. And again, it's stuff we wouldn't have wanted to learn and we don't wish it on anybody else, but sometimes there's things you can only learn in certain ways. That doesn't mean that God isn't with you in that moment. Henry Nouwen uh, is a fantastic author. Here's a picture of, of Henry. He died in 1996, but he wrote several fantastic books on ministry. And Nowen's career was really interesting because towards the end of his career, he was a professor at Harvard Divinity School. And when you're a professor at Harvard Divinity School, you don't leave that job, right? Someone from Yale's like, oh, yeah, maybe. But no, just when, if, you're, if you're at Harvard, you don't leave Harvard. That doesn't happen generally. What was most interesting is what Nowen did is he left Harvard. He went to work in Toronto with a group called the Daybreak Community, which housed 30 intellectually disabled adults. That was how he ended his career. In one of his books, he writes about one who was there named Adam. Not that quote yet. I'm going to read a section and then I'll get to that quote in just a minute. While I, the so-called normal person, kept wondering how much Adam was like me, he had no ability to, or need to make comparisons. He simply lived and by his life invited me to receive his unique gift. Wrapped in weakness but given for my transformation. While I tended to worry about what I did, and how much I could produce, Adam was announcing to me that being is more important than doing. While I was preoccupied with the way I talked about or what was written, Adam was quietly telling me that God's love is more important than the praise of people. While I was concerned about my individual accomplishments, Adam was reminding me that doing things together is more important than doing things alone. Adam couldn't produce anything. He had no fame to be proud of. He couldn't brag of any award or trophy. But by his very life, he was the most radical witness to the truth of our lives that I ever could have encountered. Everyone who touched Jesus was healed from Mark chapter 6, verse 56. Each of us who has touched Adam has been made whole somewhere. It's been our common experience. I love how he says that. Everyone who experienced this guy Adam, he's been made whole somewhere it's been our common experience. So let us not too quickly rush to judgment and just get mired in the difficulty of these things. May we understand that they're difficult and cry out for help, reach out to people. But may we understand that we don't always know who it is or what it is that's going to bring about our healing. We don't always know exactly what might be good or bad. And may we understand that as we think about how the problem of pain and evil exists in the world, Jesus says, yeah, I know this stuff is really hard and it doesn't always make sense. And there's nothing I could say that would make it make sense. But can you trust me that I can work even in this? 
And can you trust me that you can one day be happy again? That God can work even in this moment. And yes, it is worth continuing. Let's pray. God, I know that some people who will watch this have questions for you that even go beyond my own. And as we struggle collectively in this year, may we think about who it is that you are calling us to be. May we hear these words of Jesus as a challenge, but a hopeful affirmation that you can work even in this. Father, as we bring our hearts before you, may we see the ways that you're calling us to live. May we see the ways that you're working and present with us even as we struggle. Help us to know that we aren't going through this alone, that you are with us and as we need help, help us to reach out. Help us to see the victories that you're bringing in small and big ways even during this time. Help us to see you. Your son's name I pray. Amen.